Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week and thank you for taking time out of your schedule during this busy season to join us as we share the gospel with you. Uh, we trust you've been tuning in every week and following uh, along with us. We've been talking for uh, the last week I started talking about the Christmas story, and it's really more than a Christmas story. It's just a powerful, powerful story, but we're going to continue that up through uh, Christmas, and uh, I think it's just some thoughts the Lord gave me to share during this time uh, that would really be a blessing to us. Uh, I want to just say very quickly, though, that if you have missed any of our programs and you are enjoying what we're saying, would like to follow us more, uh, you can go to our YouTube channel. Everything that we have aired to date is there, and it is archived. I think there's over 450 programs. We've been on uh, national TV now for, I think, since 2010. So there's quite a few programs up there uh, uh, that will really be a blessing to you. Watch them at your leisure. You can pause them, stop and talk about them. Uh, they're great conversation uh, pieces in small group settings or home prayer meetings or just with your friends sitting around talking with a cup of coffee. Uh, you also can go to, if you'd like to listen to the audio portions of it, you say, well, I don't have time to sit down and watch the program, and you'd like to redeem the time while you're in your car commuting to and from work or going to the supermarket, uh, we have an iTunes, also a podcast, where you could download it or stream it straight to your device and through your car sometimes. Uh, for the younger people who know how to do this, you can get your grandkids to show you how to do it, but it'll stream straight from your iPhone. Maybe while you're working out, you're walking, you're hiking, whatever, you can listen to uh, the audio portions of it on iTunes in our podcast. There's also an RSS feed for Android devices that has the same thing on that. We're making all of this available to you at no charge. And all you have to do, the very easiest way to do is simply go to my website and you see that uh, my website on the screen there will be on the screen throughout the program and there is a direct link with you look at the little icon it'll have a picture of a YouTube or the little man with a looks like a little uh, uh, robot that's the Android feed and of course the iTunes uh, insignia or icon there will take you straight to that also, I want to encourage you that since it is the Christmas season, maybe some great gift ideas. You, you, you sat down today and thought, well, I'll just watch a program, but here's some great gift ideas. Give the gift of the gospel to your family. Uh, these make great stocking stuffers. All three of my books, well, actually there's four books on there, but we're almost out of print on the first one, Beauty and the Beast, and uh, I don't know if we even have many of those left. But all of these books are available uh, also in digital format. But you can get your hard copies by going to my website, and the first one is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. This book will take the fear out of the book of Revelation for you, because the book of Revelation is not about bugs as big as Volkswagens or Godzilla monsters coming up out of the ocean. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. You say, how do you know that, Brother House? Because it's the title of the book. And so what we do is we find Jesus all throughout the pages of the book of Revelation, and uh, 
and we 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 really developed, especially the first five chapters or first four chapters, I think, of the book of Revelation and the message to the seven churches that would help them shift their thinking from an old covenant to a new covenant paradigm. The second book that I wrote is called The Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And what it is, is about the, it's about the grace of God that flows from rest. I took the miracles of the Sabbath day that Jesus did and show how they powerfully speak of what flows from this incredible posture of rest. And uh, I believe you, you'll find that this book is a real blessing to you. It really comes from also the uh, last few verses of Matthew 11 in the Message Bible, where it says, Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it. And I will teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. And the last book I wrote, this one's only been out about maybe 18 months, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. And in this book, I bring the gospel of grace to Mary with the gospel of the kingdom, because a lot of people know we've been set free from the bondage of law and legalism, but they don't know what replaced that. Repentance is not just what you turn from, it is what you turn toward. 2 Corinthians it says, For if the government of death, its constitution was written on stone tablets, how about this government of affirmation? The old covenant condemns you, the new covenant affirms you, and the new covenant is the government of living spirit. It talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. It is a very important, vital link, missing piece, I believe, that folk need in the gospel of grace to be able to live the victorious life. Thank you. I, I don't want to take any more time talking about those things. I want to go to Luke, the second chapter. We are talking about here uh, the Christmas story, and I'm going to begin to read it. We'll just unpack some things as we go down through here. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be Delivered. Now let me just stop and, and uh, review a few things and pick up a few pieces here. I, I'm made acutely aware, especially during this time of the year, that it is both a joyful season and to some a season of time of great taxing. Whether it is your awareness of how joyous it is or your loss of something or someone or the memories of what this these days, I mean, it's not an, uh, uh, an accident that these particular times are seasons when the suicide rate gets higher than it's ever been. Let me just encourage you that if you are discouraged, man, don't stop. Don't stop and get so discouraged that you don't realize that this can be a turning moment for you. Because locked up in this story to me, of uh, this, this great Christmas story is that it was a season and a time of great taxing. 
Now, I said this before in last week's program, but I'm going to reiterate it again. The taxing did not originate from God. While it did not come from God, God can certainly use it. In other words, I, I say this to you clearly. God is not the source of your pain. Usually it's either bad decisions or the enemy attacking your life or somebody else in your life that's bringing about this taxing time. But nevertheless, the source is not God. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness nor turning of shadow. See, a whole lot of stuff happens when we come to taxing time because, uh, you know, uh, that taxing uh, when, when taxing time came upon them, what it did was it forced them to go into their own city and into the city of David, which in this particular season, what I want to share about that is when you're going through something, you don't have to go through it alone, especially if you're part of a local church, a community of believers. I so believe in the local church I don't know where you're at, but I can't make it on my own. I'm a man of God, and I preach, and I travel all the time, but I belong to a local church. I, I'm not the senior pastor, not the pastor at all, uh, but I attend a local church, and our ministry may be even much larger than our local church is, but I attend a local church because I believe it's part, it's important to be a part of a community of faith and a community of believers for my family and my children and my grandchildren. I, to me, it's so exciting to see my grandchildren just love to praise and worship God. They can't hardly wait to get to church. I think about uh, the other day, uh, one of my grandbabies came in and she, she got up on the wrong side of the bed this particular morning, and boy, she was in a bad mood. Her lip was poked out, and boy, she was, she was on the verge of being taken to the nursery. Her mom was about to take her out. And all of a sudden, the band began to sing, Come Alive in the River. And she looked up at me and she said, that's my jam, pap. And when she said, that's my jam, pap, she jumped down out of her mom's arms. She went up front. She began to dance and praise the Lord. And I said, man, sometimes your praise will keep you from getting a whooping. But she got her praise on. And, and, but to me, to, to just have an environment where you can raise a family, if you are blessed enough to have a local church that you can become a part of that's preaching the gospel Get in there, get behind it, support it with your time, your talent, and your treasure, because during taxing time, you're going to be glad you're part of a community of faith. If you don't have one, don't stop looking, because I think sometimes the reason we don't have one is because we haven't found our tribe yet. See, one of the things that was happening here was that they, they, they went from Galilee to Judea and, and into their own city, into the city of David. In other words, because they were the house and lineage of David. Taxing time will help you discover your true identity and your true lineage. Because sometimes until you have to, you know, uh, until you have to, uh, you get backed in the corner. Sometimes you just, you know, uh, as I shared the last, uh, the last segment, Galilee, uh, the word itself means uh, 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 like circuits or uh, repetitive cycles. And uh, 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 the Nazareth literally meant to be in survival mode, so to speak. And sometimes we get in these repetitive cycles and repetitive circles, and then all of a sudden crises hits, chaos hits, uh, taxing times hit. And at first we just run scared. 
And then there's, there's moments when that begins to drive you. In other words, situations sometimes can turn us back in a direction we need to go because during taxing time, you're either going to run from God or you're going to run to God. But Mary and her family during taxing time had to go into the city of David because they were the house and lineage of David. And they went into uh, Bethlehem of Judea, which means Bethlehem means the house of bread and the house of praise. So the, the best thing you can do, I need to calm myself down here. The best thing you can do during taxing time is number one, head to the house Hallelujah. Uh, head, head to the house of Bethlehem, Judea. Go to the house of praise. Get your praise on. Because when you get your praise on, if you go back and watch my Thanksgiving uh, 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 program for that week, we talk about how Asaph was complaining until his spirit was overwhelmed, and he was troubled, and his sore, and his problem, and his pain. And he kept talking about this, but he says, but I'm going to remember the years of the right hand of the Most High God, and I'm going to talk of His goodness, and I'm going to... And what he began to do was he began to shift his circumstances and situations by simply turning what he thought and his complaint into a praise, because when you leave the, if you're going to if you're going to get out of taxing time, you're going to have to praise your way out of it. Number two, you're going to have to get to the house of Bethlehem, which is the house of bread, and you're going to have to feed on the fresh bread of the manna that came down from heaven, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to get somewhere where they're where they're serving bread and wine. What's that mean? That means they're preaching the finished work of Jesus and what He did for your problem. He's, you know, I think, I can't help but think about Isaiah 53. He said, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid on Him. By whose stripes we are healed. In other words, you start to feed on what Jesus did. He was wounded for your transgressions. In other words, your transgressions may have brought you into the taxing time and chaos that you were in, but Jesus is the deliverer. He's already paid the price to get you out of that, that situation. He was wounded, bruised. You, he, he was chastised because you had chastisement coming. The chastisement, so you could have peace, was laid on Him by whose stripes you're healed. There's even, if you're going through physical problems, mental problems, emotional problems. There is something you can feed on that will shift your circumstances. We have in our archives a series that I titled, A Table in the Presence of My Enemies. And in that series, the Holy Spirit simply said to me, you ate your way into this problem, you can eat your way out of it. And when the Lord said that to me, I thought, well, if all you got to do is eat your way out of the problem, then I was born for this because I've got anointing to eat. And I just kind of laughing about that a little bit. But the truth of it is, is man, uh, you know, when you travel, sometimes you, you are served some of the best food people, or some, of the, some of the best cooks in the world are in the house of God. But that wasn't, he wasn't talking to me about natural food. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? I ate my way into this problem. I can eat my way out of the problem. And he said to me, it all started with an eating disorder in Eden's misty garden. When God said to the man, do not eat from this tree. I would ask you today, what are you feeding on? Because what you're feeding on may be bad information from your friends. 
It may be the things that secular humanism is trying to shove down our throats right now. It may be, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, bad counsel. I think sometimes we surround ourselves with people who are just as broke, as busted, and as discouraged as we are, and wonder why we can't get out of that situation. Let me tell you, it's time to get to the house of bread and feed on something that can turn that situation around. Because when Adam ate from that fruit, it brought him into taxing time. It brought him into chaos. It brought him into uh, a, a, a time of crises. And you, you could follow this story all through the Scripture. Hundreds of years later, their offspring has now been carried, you know, from Adam to Abraham. And Abraham, then the seed is carried into Egypt and, and the children of Israel in bondage under Egyptian slave masters. And uh, God says to Moses, I want to deliver my people from this bondage. And, and Moses said, God, give me the strategy for how to deliver them from the bondage of Egyptian slavery. He said, tell them to take a lamb out from among the sheep and the goats and put the blood on the doorpost of the house and then take the lamb in the house, in the night, roast with fire, and eat the head, the legs, the pertinence, eat the lamb with bitter herbs and with all of the stuff that he declared to them to eat. In other words, he said, you can eat your way out of bondage. Now let me tell you something. That's one thing that this ministry really majors on, is serving lamb. You need to eat more lamb. Nothing but mutton. And when you feed on lamb, you start to, when you start to partake of the lamb, when I, what do you say feeding on lamb? I'm not, I'm not just talking about physical lamb chops. I'm talking about we feed on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that did to deliver me from my bondage. Can I tell you what happened to the children of Israel? They got enough lamb in their belly that about midnight, in the middle of the night, at the darkest hour, if you will, taxing time, they got enough assimilated into their body because you are what you eat. And they started feeding on lamb, and when they got lamb inside their belly, something hit them at midnight that said, I cannot live in this bondage anymore. I've got too much lamb inside of me that live in this bondage. I don't care if that bondage is religious bondage. I don't care if it's worldly bondage. I don't care if it's substance abuse bondage replace those addictions by eating the lamb and feeding on him, getting yourself in the house of bread, where they're serving, again, the symbolism is the same, bread and wine. Because the bread and wine speaks of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They went to the house of bread in Judea, the house of praise. They left Galilee, and they left Nazareth. They left the repetitive, unproductive cycles of circulatory, repetitive stuff that keeps happening and happening and happening and repeating itself in families. You can break those cycles. This is the Christmas season, and you probably see cycles that you go through constantly. You know, I can't help think about my own dad again when I come to this time and this season, but long before our lives ever became great serving God, my, you know, my dad was an alcoholic, and we didn't know nothing about God. I, I, we, I mean, we hadn't been to church. We didn't hardly know nothing about God. I mean, I, I saw a picture on a wall of Jesus and never could even figure out who this guy's supposed to be. You know, it was like to me, a Mona Lisa pay, pay, a 
painting or something. But one day, the presence of God began to invade our homes. And I can remember Christmases whenever, you know, my dad would be gone for days and sometimes just drunk and they'd, pull, they'd literally take car seats out and just lay him along the road leaving. I can remember crying and thinking, boy, I hope he gets home safe tonight. And just, I can remember the fighting and all the stuff that was going on during those periods of time. But one night Jesus appeared to my dad in his room. And he said he didn't even know what Jesus looked like, but Jesus appeared to him and said, and, and when the Lord appeared to him, Dad said he looked and said to him, if you'll save me, I'll serve you. That plaque hangs on the wall of the church he founded today. If you save me, I'll serve you. Those few words broke the repetitive cycles of our family. And several generations later, his sons and his sons' sons stand in the pulpit and his daughters and and, and his uh, uh, granddaughters also stand in the pulpit and declare the gospel of the kingdom because it turned our lives completely around and broke the repetitive cycles. When we got the lamb in the house, it turned our lives around. God can turn your life around. He could turn your family around. What you don't realize is one simple decision by one person to follow Jesus can change the course of history for in generations to come. And rather than our family being notorious for uh, you know criminal activity and all the stuff that was robbing our lives, our family has grown up to literally reach the world with the gospel because one man said yes to God and said, if you save me, I will serve you. You can break those repetitive cycles it will bring you into a brand new identity because she was of the house and lineage of David. When you realize that what happens when you get born again is it breaks what you're connected to in Adam and connects you to who you're connected to in the royal family of Jesus Christ. Because we are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood and a holy nation. The moment you get born again, you get, I love this word, you get regenerated, but I like to, uh, I like to emphasize this. You get regenerated. The word gene is in the middle of it. And I like to say this, it's not Levi genes, that's old covenant priesthood. These are designer genes, Melchizedek. You get regenerated, you get a new DNA, you get born from above. And in that new birth, you get a new nature you start to lose the desire for sin. I'm not telling you you won't make mistakes or you won't fall or you won't have problems, but I'm telling you it's not your nature to sin anymore once you get born from above and you bury that old man in the waters of baptism. It begins for you, if you will, a brand new beginning. That's what I think he's declaring. Even this, this story so powerfully speaks to me. Hail Mary, thou that art highly favored, because when the Spirit of God began to hover and the power of the highest came on Mary. He began to hover, and she simply responded to the voice of God by saying, Be it unto me according to your word. If you're listening to me today, I don't know, you might be in a hotel room, you might be at home, you might be, I don't know. But if you simply respond by saying, Be it unto me 
according to your word. Lord, you do the work. The Holy Ghost overshadows you. The power of the highest comes upon you. This is not about your might or your ability or your abilities to do this. This is about saying, Lord, I receive it. Be it unto me according to your word. And then find yourself in the house of bread. And realizing that your lineage now is of the house and lineage of David, and it connects you to the royal seat of David where now you're a king and a priest unto God. And where the word of the king is, there's power. Hallelujah. I just want you to know there's royal blood pumping through your veins. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think even about the wise men. Wise men are still seeking him. If you're wise today, wise men still seek him. They're looking for Jesus because Jesus is the answer to what's going on during taxing time. Because what happened was even during this taxing time is it says uh, that uh, she was great with child, but the time had come. It says, I believe it is verse 6, and so it was that while they were there that the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. That she should be delivered. I think that's powerful. These are the days that have been accomplished when you should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. In other words, you receive Jesus into your life, and the seed of the kingdom is planted in your life. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them and in the end. And I want to say here that, you know, uh, back some time ago, one of the, uh, uh, one of the uh, girls in our church taught a message in Sunday school, and she was talking about that uh, there was this place where when Jesus was born in a manger, that there was this place that historically was called the Tower of the Flock. And where this, this place called the Tower of the Flock is where they would bring the sheep and the lambs to birth their lambs because these were the ones that were to be blemish-free, spot-free, and they would literally even wrap these lambs in swaddling clothes so they would keep themselves from making any kind of broken marks or blemishes or anything on them. So even in what Mary did by wrapping him in swaddling clothes is exactly what they were doing with the birthing of these sacrificial lambs as they were wrapping them in swaddling clothes and laying them in a manger. And I'm probably going to pick up on that a little bit more on the next segment, but they laid him in a manger. Why did they lay Jesus in a manger? The answer to that is because it's a feed trough. That what we should be doing is feeding people on a steady diet of lamb. Remember I started out talking about you can eat your way out of the problem. No wonder David would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He goes on to say he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Because in the presence of your enemies, God is always serving something on the table that can bring deliverance where he brings you through the valley of the shadow of death with an anointing on your head until your cup runs completely over. We're about to run out of time. But I believe this moment can be a time of shifting in your life if you'll simply receive the Lamb and embrace Him. Find yourself in the house of bread. Take your family to church during this season. Get in somewhere where they're serving uh, portions of lamb, if you will, where they're preaching the work of Calvary, and they're preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and what that accomplished for you, because 
you're going to find out you're highly favored. You're accepted in the beloved. We're out of time. If you want to, call the number on the screen, sow a seed in the ministry, or write, send your most generous gift through check or money order to the number on the screen, and it would be a blessing to us. God bless you. Thank you for joining us again this week. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.